Welcome to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. My name is John Schuck. I'm the minister at the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. At Religion for Life, we talk about all kinds of things, religion, politics, social justice, and music. My guest is Andrew McKnight, uh, who is at the intersection of folk and Americana music and poetry and essays and songwriting and performing. Glad to have you with us on Religion for Life. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be back in the beautiful hills of East Tennessee. All right. They are beautiful hills, too. I, I met Andrew at uh, the Not One More Mountain concert we had at my congregation in February, and he also sang for our worship service. It was a benefit to resist mountaintop removal strip mining. Mm-hmm. So you, much of your music has to do with uh, social justice, doesn't it? I, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I suppose, yes. Um, I, I have to confess that probably the, the first thing as a songwriter that draws me in is the story. Mm-hmm. And I think of my role perhaps as, as being somewhat of a, of a musical cinematographer, if you will, to sort of tell a story with words and melody and music and rhythm and uh and to my my job the way i look at it is to put you into the character in the story that moved me to write about it so you know when, with mountaintop removal what i've been most drawn to is you know the permanence of of the activity for sure but also the um the fact that it's not just the landscape it's the communities these mining families that have you know three or four mining families that have lived in these small communities with their own churches and their own graveyards and and they're really their own social structure for for a hundred or more years and a lot of that stuff is disappearing beneath the rubble of the valley fills and all of that. And it's leaving a, a very um, a sort of permanent eraser kind of mark on what is really a very substantive piece of West Virginia's own state identity, regional identity, cultural identity. So I, I see it as a as a, a thing that's really uh, multi-layered. As a storyteller, I see the you know, the the beauty of the hills, obviously, but I also see that the people who are, are having to live with this. And I know a lot of people who are having to live with it, too. And so part of your singing and songwriting is telling that human story. Yes, very much. And you grew up in uh, this area of the country? Actually, I grew up in New England. I grew up in eastern Connecticut. Um, it's been a long time since I lived there, but I lived on the border with Rhode Island. And when I was a kid, that area was really very rural, um, a lot of uh, mill towns that had sort of hit their heyday in the World War II era and kind of collapsed. And nowadays, I think there's a lot more of a suburban commuter kind of thing going on there. It's not there's a lot more houses and a lot more people than I remember. But when I when I lived there, we lived close enough. We were in the hills and close enough to the border, where the, the you know the state police rarely went and Rhode Island on the other side the first 15 or 20 miles is all woods and swamps so it's actually rather remote it wasn't so that you couldn't get away but if you grew up there you you were used to not being around a ton of people if you didn't want to be so I've always lived in rural America and and, uh, I've called Virginia home most of my adult life and uh, certainly the closer I live to these ancient blue mountains the the closer to home I am and you uh on, on your website, it said that you were a uh, environmental engineer. Correct. And so uh, what was that part of your life like? How did you happen to get involved in that? And how did you happen to make the switch to singing songs? 
Well, everybody seems to always want to hear that there was a, a, a clarion moment that I walked the into the office one day and... or, or, or just, <laughs> I can't take this anymore, yeah. you know? No engineer does anything rashly, I'm afraid. <laughs> it wasn't anywhere near like that. But I, I had always um, played music. to I put myself through school and stuff, and, uh, and my parents had always said music is a great way to make some money on the side and a lousy life and a lousy career. And I never learned how to read music either, so I had this sort of big inhibition about that. And so I went to school. I was a chemistry major as an undergrad, and then environmental engineering was always kind of. I wanted. I didn't want to be a chemistry major. I wanted to have that knowledge to go into working on environmental protection and stuff. And I spent a lot of my engineering days uh, once I once I graduated, you know, and finally had two nickels to rub together, I actually could play music for myself instead of having to play, you know, whatever I was doing in a bar or whatever. And in the meanwhile, my engineering work led me into a lot of coal-fired power plants throughout central southern Appalachia and out on the Piedmont and stuff. So I've really kind of been around this, the, the whole, our relationship with coal for a long time. And, um, you know, the as I started writing songs again, the, the big mistake I made was playing them for people. If I'd kept them to myself, I'd probably still be an engineer. But, um, you know, it just it got to the point where the two things were really – I wasn't doing either one of them to the best of my ability. And, you know, I could get my engineer's license, and I can always come back to that. I've always got that as a as a backup and and in 96 I, I played in the olympic village in atlanta and i played the kennedy center for the first time and it's just a lot of crazy stuff going on and i thought you know how many people would trade places with me to have this opportunity to do this and so i said ah, you know what i'm I, I did it in a logical fashion i said can i have a year's leave of absence uh-huh. And they were very good to me. The company I worked for was really good to me about that, but uh, I haven't been back. Uh, well, and good for the music industry for for music and for uh, for artistry that you made that decision. Good for us. In fact, you brought your guitar <laughs> you. with uh, with you today, and uh, you're going to sing a song for us. You told me before here, how high is this mountain? Yeah, how high the mountain? It leads off my fourth CD, Beyond Borders. Well, let's listen to Andrew McKnight on Religion for Life. How high is this mountain that I've fallen down? How far have I tumbled to be here? How long must I climb to see sweet sun again out of this valley of despair? Turning to stone, lift my face to the light instead. 
have despair You know, that song um, kind of reminds me of the season of Lent. Huh? And uh, the, cool. the mountain and the valley and how high, how long is this going to last? Right. And it has to do, do you ever wonder, um, your songs address many of the problems we face, environment, uh, poverty. Uh, do you ever uh, get a little despaired at, or do you ever despair and how do you uh, keep going? What keeps you hopeful? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, it... it... I really think that I often talk about this when I sing my song Ansel Adams because there's this huge industry that seems to be largely existent to keep us angry and nervous. Uh-huh. Sitting on the edge of the couch, watching the TV with a, a nervous trigger finger on the remote control. Telling us what we are not and what we need to buy to be okay. And what we need to be scared of. Yeah. You know, and, and to make things um, seem to us like they're, you know, out of proportion so that we don't tune out. And you see it in virtually every layer of, of, of the public communications of our society. You know, I'm not going to point at, you know, politicians or the media or any one thing because they're all sort of participating in this. And at times I feel like, you know, if, if I pay too much attention to that, and of course, as, a, as an informed citizen, you have to, but I, I need to take breaks from it. I really, I need to step away from it and and sort of look around me and say, you know what, none of that is affecting this. You know, this is a garden in my backyard. My my four-year-old daughter is learning how to play the piano and, and, and just exploring these miracles of music. And, you know, the mountain has been here a whole lot longer than we have, and the mountain here will last a lot longer than we will. And, you know, just kind of getting back to perspective. I think for me, it's it's about finding ways to stay grounded. There's a lot of noise out there, no doubt. But um, to to simply realize that we have control over the switch, too. My guest is Andrew McKnight, uh, folk singer, Americana artist. Uh, he is uh, joining me on Religion for Life. My name is John Shuck. And um, how uh, you often perform in churches, too. Yeah. And so would it, was spirituality a, a part of your life or religion for a while, or did you pick that up recently? Um, I really have always been on um, a spiritual journey, if you will. Um, I, I guess that I, I'm sort of one of these people who might drive everyone a little bit crazy because I, I just don't have a real 
great sense that anything in life is purely black and white and fits neatly into this box or that box. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I guess my 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 first thing is always is, is do I have a good heart today? And to sort of think of my life in context of my role as a small piece in a great large um dramatic thing, you know, this 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 whole worldly thing. And so for me, exploring my own spiritual journey and 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 exploring the journeys of others and and being inspired by people from a, a whole walk of different faiths, really, and experiences and and sufferings and and blessings and all. And for me, I think what what my own journey has led me to is to accept the fact that I have been given this gift to create words and melodies and rhythms that touch people who need it when they need it, to not question how that happens or try to in some way manipulate that because you really can't. You you really you have two choices. You can stay true to the muse or you can try to do something else um, and, and to write for a formula or a purpose. And I don't want to denigrate people who do that. It's just that doesn't work very well for me. And when I get emails from people or, you know, letters and stuff about something that one of my songs did for them at a time when they were, you know, a state of real hopelessness or real, you know, in a really hard place, I realize that, you know, it's bigger than me. It's a big mystery and I don't need to understand it. I just need to honor it. Yeah. How do, how do you find your muse? Is there a, a pattern? Is there something? How do you get inspiration for the songs that you write? You mean the voices in my head that the don't voices. pay rent? <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> I think probably uh, it's as much about the, the things that inspire me start to ruminate for a little while. And, and I have to say that I, I'm notoriously undisciplined about it. I'll go a year or two and write maybe a song or two, and then it'll be time to record an album, and then I'll be, you know, suddenly prolific. It'll be, you know, eight or nine songs in a month. And I'm I'm trying to get a little bit more disciplined as I get a little bit older here and actually keep track of things better because I look at all of those little ideas, those little here's a lyric, here's a, here's a melody, here's a rhythm. Wherever it came from, it... it, it it came when it came for reasons that I don't understand. It, it's there now, and I should capture that because I'm supposed to do something with that. And I think to myself about all the times I've let stuff go, and I just I, I think, okay, you know, one of my, my goals for myself and my own spiritual journey is to be more, um, pay more attention to those things and, and be a little bit more uh, true to per. To, to taking them and doing something that I'm supposed to do with them. If you're just joining us, my guest is Andrew McKnight, uh, folk singer, Americana artist, uh, singing songs about uh, the area of Appalachia. This is Religion for Life. I'm John Shuck, and one of your songs is titled uh, uh, Ansel Adams. So how did you happen to write a song about Ansel Adams? You know, this is going to seem really sort of... Uh, ancillary to it, no no pun intended, but um, it was actually uh, the first of four days that I was on a little self-imposed writer's retreat. I'm talking about being disciplined about being a songwriter, right? 2007, I found myself three weeks away from going in the studio to record a new album, having carefully done an inventory of everything that was ready and realized it was going to be about a 13 and a half minute long CD. 
um, my procrastination uh, was really getting the best of me. And so I had four days off in the middle of a Texas tour, and I had some friends offer me places to stay in little bungalows out on, and it's blue bonnet season and all, you know. It's just, okay, this is perfect. This is what I need. I need to lock out the outside world for a little while and get in the woodshed. So the first morning of my rider's retreat, I hop in the van and start driving out from Houston to Central Texas, and um, the radio is ablaze with what happened that morning at Virginia Tech. Mm. And, of course, everyone in Virginia has somebody who has kids at Virginia Tech. And so for the next couple of days, there's the radio and the TV just pounding me with the same relentless, breathless, breaking details and ticker tape across the bottom and unsubstantiated this and, you know, you need to know and all of this. And and I realized that all of that noise, so loud and so fast and so scary and everything, and I realized that what I needed at that moment was exactly the opposite. And it was the imagery of Ansel Adams in a photo book that I'd been looking at a couple of days before that at a friend's house that suddenly I realized that that's it. About capturing a moment in time that's perfectly timeless. You look at an Ansel Adams photograph and many times you don't know what time period you're in and it doesn't matter. That's what I wanted right then. I needed that. I needed to get back to ground. Do you sing that for us today? Sure, absolutely. This is Andrew McKnight singing Ansel Adams on Religion for Life. Will there be another Ansel Adams American original Sculptor of shadow and light Will another have the patience the perfect moment when the elements and angles are just right. Ansel Adams was no hero, cursed with pride and foible, but like any Einstein you find, take everything you can. Seraphim of film and format, Wizard of the lands, freezing magic in a frame of stone and sand. And in a range of light, a gentleman revealed his heart, showed us treasures gone in plain sight. And in a sacred setting, shutter clicking on the let us see like Ansel Adams did A moment is so precious In our hurry, rush, rush lives Seems the only way to save it Is hang it over the TV And our modern generation Focused on the destination Is it still a thing of beauty If we move too fast to see And in a range of light A gentleman revealed his heart Showed us treasures God in plain sight hid And 
in a sacred setting, shutter clicking on the wind. Let us see like Ansel Adams did. ghosts and I strain to hear echoes of the past his reflections in still waters spire soaring to the sky all remind me that this heartbreak will not last and in her range of light a gentleman revealed his heart showed us treasures God and sacred setting shutter clicking on the wind let us see like Ansel Adams did will there be another Ansel Adams American original sculptor You know, there's a line in that song that stuck out for me. It said, um, he showed us, this is speaking of Ansel Adams, he showed us treasures uh, God in plain sight hid. Yeah. That's the work of the artist, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Andrew McKnight is my guest on Religion for Life, and Andrew goes about the country singing songs. Now, you have made about five albums, is that right? Five CDs? Yeah. And these are all original songs? Yeah. Yeah, um, I, everything I've recorded, save uh, I've done a couple of traditional old-time tunes on a couple of my records, and I've covered a couple of things written long time ago. Um, I've done uh, a handful of interpretations of other people's tunes, like a Robert Johnson song, um, and uh, I've also done some co-writing with some friends of mine, but for the most part, everything is mine on the albums. And I have a new live uh, recording coming out pretty soon with my bandmates. One of my bandmates is Les Thompson, who's one of the original Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. And mm. he and I uh, wrote Made by Hand, which has become sort of an anthem for a lot of people in the mountaintop removal uh, movement because it's it's about the Coal River Valley of West Virginia, which is kind of ground zero for all of that. And uh, you can actually download that one for free from my website. Simply go uh, go to andrewmcknight.net and you can hear it and you can download it and, and have it. And uh, and in return for that, you you might hear from me once a month about what I'm up to and maybe uh, maybe see that I'm coming to coming back to East Tennessee and come catch a show. My guest is Andrew McKnight, a folk singer, Americana artist, uh, traveling around the country, singing songs about uh, telling stories about people, singing about life. So glad glad to have you with us. Our time is just about up, but we have I have one more song I want to finish uh, the show with tonight. Uh, that's called "Good Things Matter." 
And as I, I heard that song uh, on your website, and I thought of uh, Joanna Macy. Um, she's a, a Buddhist uh, and involved in environmental uh, uh, work and, and kind of turning our global consciousness around. And she talks about something called the Great Ball of Merit. Uh, that uh, is all of the, the the good deeds that are done, the deeds that are done in love, the small things here and there. They they build up and and they uh, and and they count. And we may not know the effects of them, but they matter. Yeah. And when I heard your this wonderful song, "Good Things Matter," wow. how did you happen? How did you happen to to write this song? Grandmother wisdom. Ah, okay. <laughs> I was the only grandson, and I came along in this big gap between grandkids. And my grandmom would um, tote me around when I'd go up and spend a week with her and grandpa during the summer, and it was just me and them. She'd take me off while she was volunteering at the hospital that she had been the head of nursing at or church or the historical society or whatever. And I'm like, man, if this is what retirement's like, I think I'd rather work. This is a lot of work, Grandma. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, she impressed on me that, that none of the things that she was doing were really big things. But she she just sort of had me thinking, you know, what would it be like if a lot of people all did a little thing and how much it would add up to? You know, if you think about it, it's like a drop of rain falling on the roof of this building, right? What's one drop of rain by itself? Nothing. But you think about drops of rain on all the roofs around here and all coming down into the rivers and finding their way out to a, a mighty ocean that we can only stare at in our smallness and, and awe and marvel at. And it's kind of like that, you know, that those little things are, are we, we are, we are, humans are not a perfectly arithmetic species. We are capable of adding up to a lot more than the sum of our parts. And essentially, good things matter is just about those little, those little bitty things that you never know. You never know how you might have touched someone's life and what you might have done. Andrew McKnight has been my guest on Religion for Life. Andrew, thank you for being with us. Uh, but before you go, give us your information, how people can contact you to get CDs or uh, to host a house concert if they'd like. Excellent. Excellent ideas all. <laughs> AndrewMcKnight.net. My last name's got a K in it, M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T. If you enjoy it, don't keep it a secret. <laughs> all right. Andrew, thank you for being with me on Religion for Life. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. I'm John Shuck. For more information about my church, First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee, go to www.fpcelizabethton.org. More information about Religion for Life, including upcoming programs and podcasts, can be found at religionforlife.me. Religion for Life is a co-production of WETS-FM and WETS-HD1, Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC, Emory, Virginia. And now Andrew McKnight will close us out with Good Things Matter. Be well. Rush hour traffic going nowhere. The merge becomes a contact sport. Frustration boiling over. Tempers growing short. The suited man bucks the trend at the toll booth. That's the grandmother hen He knows the people that we share the road with Have loved ones waiting just like him Good things matter long after they're done Good things matter each and every one Good things matter no matter how small Good things matter to us all.
a street boy behind the playground fence with teams picked game in full swing his braces hold him back from what his glasses show he is not good at this thing but the bigger boy who plays a game with natural skill and grace says here's my bat take my place he knows the final score is more than runs across the plate by the pinch hitter's smiling face. Good things matter long after they're done. Good things matter each and every one. Good things matter no matter how small. Good things matter to us all.